I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Box Set Pod. How are you, Jamie? And uh, we're joined by Matt Matt and Jack this week. And Matt's got something to promote. If you're in the London area, there's a play that's going to be on. And it's part of Matt's theatre group that he keeps locked in his basement. (laughs) Yes, indeed. It's actually, it's just kicked off now. The very first night has just started 10 minutes ago. And I can't, yeah, I I can't be there because uh, I I couldn't get a babysitter. And also I wanted to do this so badly. You wanted to do this. Yeah, yeah like, exactly, yeah. When you say your theatre company, do you mean you've set up a theatre company? Uh, me me and five others run a, um, a theatre company called Simple Eight. Simple and Eight? Put, what's the production? It's called Don't Sleep, There Are Snakes. Don't Sleep, There Are Snakes. Not just a great production, but great advice as well if you live amongst snakes. Let's find out more about this. How come if you've got your own production company, you didn't give yourself a job in the play? I mean, that's... Well, I did. There was a role for me in the play, but I chose not to take it because um, of childcare stuff. I didn't want to be away from her for five weeks. Very similar to my life at the moment, actually, but oh. we won't go into that. Um, Matt, uh, how many people are in the play? Is the theatre company just that? By the way, everyone, the podcast tonight, we're going to talk about Peaky Blinders. We've also oh. got Dexter Fletcher on the show. Oh. Holy shit. And we've got Eddie the Eagle Edwards on the show. Whoa. Holy motherfucking shit. The actual people. How about that? Wow. For a lineup. But first, let's find out cool. about Matt's poxy theatre company. Um, <laughs> you say you set it up with five other people. Does it, is that the entire cast as well? Because presumably budgets mean that plays have to have like two or three headers. No, we cast from outside um, the the uh, the ensemble, but uh, the, the most we've had in a play is fourteen, and I think the last one was twelve. Jeez, I take it you don't pay them. Yes, we do. Yeah, oh we always pay our actors. Yeah. Oh my god! Well, in money. Yeah, we always pay equity minimum. We've uh, we've made a commitment to that from the second show we did because uh, we we didn't pay on the first one, and then after that we we said we'd always pay actors. Good on you. I and, would. Yeah. And so so you actually get an audience to these things then, presumably. Yeah, I mean, well, or are um, you yeah, we, we, a we, we loss. <laughs> no, we, we, yeah, well, we're funded um, by by the Arts Council and by um, various private people, but um, we, you know, we do we do all right. We've we've had pretty good audience turnouts for our last few shows, and um, we've been pretty well reviewed critically. I'm starting to get uncomfortable learning and possibly respecting Matt. One, <laughs> I feel like we should change the subject. I'd rather just think about you in your basement, sort mm. of, you know, playing with your if, um, wine, you boy. know, harnesses. If, if I, if I may, <laughs> just quickly, I've got a variety of harnesses. Um, uh, the, the, the play is called Don't Sleep There Are Snakes. It's based on the true story uh, of Daniel Everett, who was um, a Christian missionary who went to learn the language of a remote Amazonian tribe called the Piraha, mm-hmm. uh, and made some startling discoveries about them, which caused him to question his own faith and um, linguistics, the foundations of linguistics. Are you a Christian uh, company? No, we're not. No. Right. Just wanted to no. check. And uh, it's on from the 22nd of March to the 23rd of April. Look at that. Um, brilliant. And where is it again? Oh, sorry, at the Park Theatre in Finsbury Park. Finsbury Park? That's probably oh. that's a tube stop on the London it's a, Underground. It's a 200-seater theatre, thank you very Jesus much. Jesus Christ. Sorry if that offends any of your theatre group. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> God be with you, Hal. God be with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, look at that. Um, okay, let's move on. Peaky Blinders. We've had a, a long go. experience with Peaky Blinders. It's been known as Peaky Effing Blinders as well on the podcast. Jack, work experience boy, is a big fan of it. We will be talking about it soon, Jack. Are you all right this week? Jack, what have you done with your life? Look what Matt's done. Uh, I've done nothing. I'm off for Easter break now, so I've just sat and binge watched House of Cards. Jack, oh, are you yeah. a 12-year-old boy? <laughs> <laughs> I turned 20 on Friday. 
Oh. Wow. You better stop <laughs> peddling away in the private industry, Matt, in, uh, Jack. It's the only way you're going to get anywhere. You've got to use these holidays, do something more productive with your time. Are you enjoying House of Cards, though? It's good, but it's a bit hard to follow. I'm not going to lie. To is it? How is it hard to follow? Well, there's uh, not necessarily hard to follow, but it's just a bit not my usual Do pick. You hard to stay awake? Is that what you mean? Yeah, you've got to concentrate on it a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it, yeah, it's yeah. compelling stuff, though. It's where, compelling stuff. Where are you? What season are you in? Just started season two. Oh, have you? Oh, okay. Okay, Doesn't... and Matt gave up season three time um, but is considering getting back on it have you got back on it yet no I haven't and I'm, I'm kind of it's difficult for me now because uh, I feel like everyone's written season three off but you've already watched it Yeah, and good. I've got to wade through it before I can start on I the good shit in I season four I wouldn't listen oh. to anyone it's I been think, great all along yeah though. I mean if okay. season three is a lull and if it maybe it is a little bit but only in a very like in the house of cards standard is it a lull for most shows it's like a high point yeah okay it's like going i've got an edward munch on the wall downstairs but it's not the screen painting you know yeah okay still really good Um, the thing is i i I didn't love house of cards as much as any of you do Hmm. i liked it but yeah yeah okay well let's crack on um jamie what's happening in the news of News. Okay, David Fincher, starting with David Fincher, who actually was originally directed the first two episodes of House of Cards. I think he was a producer. I don't know if he still is, but he was a producer of the House of Cards when it started. He's got a new project. It's a serial killer drama, and it's going to Netflix. Originally, it was going to go to HBO, but now Netflix have taken it off HBO. It's called Mindhunter, and it's going to be based on the non-fiction book of the same name. It's about an FBI agent called John Douglas, and he pursued some of the most infamous serial killers of the last 40 years, people like uh, Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, Charles Kevin Spacey. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah and basically he's the agent who is in this show he was the inspiration for special agent jack crawford in the silence of the lambs oh. so uh, it's looking like it's gonna be very tasty and i really want to read the book as well so that's coming that's on its way and we know with fincher he's the master of serial killer works it goes back to our episode on um true crime stuff though that doesn't it a little bit about the ethics of like Oh, this is going to be really exciting, but the, the, this is real, and so there were lots of victims of really horrible people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, forgive my ignorance. Who, who is the character you mentioned, Special Agent Who in J- Sons of the Lambs? Jack Crawford. You know, uh, in Sons of the Lambs, the boss of Jodie Foster's character. Oh, Stalling's boss. Okay, right. Oh. Yeah. Uh, is he more significant a character in the books? Oh, very much. Yeah, he's very good in the books, yeah. And he doesn't get much of a role in the uh, film, really, other than just to sort of, like, ogle Jodie Foster every now and then. But mm. in the actual books, he's a, he's a more important and quite a significant in, uh, investigator. And so, yeah, he's a big role, really. And wow. uh, really interesting. I've got a couple of te- teaser trailers up there as well, some new stuff coming on. Mm. Uh, Vice Principles, there's a trailer for that. It's a new HBO show. It's a comedy with, from Danny McBride and Jodie Hill, who both did the brilliant at times, Eastbound and Down. Did anyone watch Eastbound no. and Down? No. Yeah, I watched a little bit of that. I, I couldn't get into it. <laughs> it had some great. It has some great moments, but I know what you mean, Matt. I want you to imagine, right? <laughs> I want you to imagine a strip light, okay? Just a, a, a rectangle of light. This is how I see Matthew. This is going to be one of Howell's brilliant metaphors. This is how I see Matthew Wonders, right? Is on the left of the light, it's really bright. And then the further across the light you go, just fizzles away and becomes dark and then burnt out at the other end of the tube. <laughs> and that is a sentence from Matt. Wandless. That any opinion <laughs> sentence from Matt Wandless, even when you think he's starting really great and enthusiastic about something, it will always end with. But season two is the shittiest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, you bunch of jerks. So true. 
so true. Such just because I don't like all the shit you like. No, I just think you're very unforgiving of these people yeah, who really tried hard to. Hey, no, 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 no. I'm not going to belittle anyone's work. It's just that I might, I, I have, I, I, I might not enjoy it. But you know, we've got to be I honest bet. about that kind of thing. Yeah. I bet your theatre company are cock a hoop that you're not there tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you the shit out of that play. <laughs> now they're going to have to deal with me sitting there on press night going, oh. Tutting throughout the show. I made an actor try and strangle me once because I was that annoying as a director. Yeah, yeah, you did, didn't you? Wow, really? They actually attacked you? Yeah, uh, it was like an improvised thing. It was a, yeah, it was an improvised piece of theatre, but we were sort of forming a script and so we'd be finding different lines and, and this guy wasn't, he wanted to be really good at comedy and he wasn't great at it and he did this line and it was so funny, he just delivered this thing perfectly and I just immediately went, do it again exactly like that, I'll give you a tenner if it's that funny and he just tried again but he just overplayed it and, it, <laughs> and I just went, no and, and he, you put the tenner back in your pocket you just yeah. stuffed it back in and walked yeah. out the room and he lunged across the room and grabbed me around the neck. <laughs> I was like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and that was that's amazing. That's one of two stories about actors um, trying to strangle me. So, wow, I'd love to work with you, Al. <laughs> <laughs> you really would. You really would. I was a great director. Just you know, sounds it. You I sound great. Just didn't suffer fools. Just didn't didn't suffer bad talent. <laughs> Maybe wow. you tell it as it is. Speaking of which, any more news, Jamie? Lastly, uh, there's a trailer up as well for Veep Season 5. And, uh, yeah, it's returning in uh, end of April, uh, Veep, if you've not watched it. Story of, uh, it's the same guy, Mando Iannucci, who did In the Loop and did The Thick of It. He took it over to America and it became massively successful. It is brilliant. But the thing is, Mando Iannucci is leaving the show, which is kind of worrying. And also, it has the problem of having to... Well, actually, I used the headline for my actual trailer was Can Veep Top Trump? Uh, you can see where I'm going with that one because, of course, the real-life politics in America is too funny. And how, do you, how does Veep compete with some reality that is unbelievable? To did, even... you, uh, did you come up with that yourself? I did. It's good, isn't it? Can Veep Top Trump? Top Trump. Brilliant. I was so proud of that. And then I realised no one's going to see this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is okay. um is it still um I've forgotten her name completely the actress Julia Louis Dreyfus yeah is it still her yeah yeah she's amazing so they haven't like they haven't gone through a full term in the White House yet she's still there she's running for election that was how the last series how, how much have you watched of it did you watch the last series I watched the first and maybe some of the second. Oh, you're it's welcome. one of those shows. Like I really like it. I Here love it, it but I, I, I almost it can't watch it. No, 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 no. It's because it, 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 it's so good. But I just um, th- those co- those comedies which um, uh, deal in agony. Yeah, I yeah. can. I, I kind of. I can't deal with American sized series of those. There goes the bulbs popped. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's just he's just managed to be discerning about something that is so good that he can't watch it. Yeah, well, that is the thing. I can't. I can't deal with it. Well, listen, Parks and Rec, right? Courtesy of this podcast, the only reason I went beyond season one of Parks and Rec was because of this podcast. Because everyone said beyond that, oh my god, it is a nightly fixture now. We are chewing through it, and um, there's an episode. If anyone's seen it, um, the Snake Juice episode where everybody gets drunk is <laughs> one of the funniest episodes of TV that I've ever seen. It just Didn't you mention this on the last podcast? No, I mentioned it on our private chat uh, device. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um right, are we ready for some interviews? You ready to put your feet up and enjoy Ooh. me interviewing? I did invite everyone else to join me for these interviews, but no one could make it. You invited Tin and he snubbed you. No, I invited everyone. I said if anyone wants to join me. I don't remember the text, but I did not feel invited. Oh, I'm sorry. Um but you would have been working at the time I was doing it anyway, so it would have been pointless. I'll, I'll make sure I invite you next time. Let's see if you're <laughs> included in some way. Shall we begin with... Um, so, there's a new movie out, um, Eddie the Eagle Edwards, or it's just called Eddie the Eagle, about a skier from our childhood. Everyone knows who Eddie the Eagle is, probably even Jack. 
Is that right, Jack? Yeah. No, I, thought, I didn't realise I'd film that until the other day, though. Mm. How good is this film going to be? Well, apparently it's going to be very good. But let's talk to both the real-life Eddie the Edwards and Dexter Fletcher, the director of it. Who do you want to hear from first? Let's go for Eddie the Eagle, shall we? Yeah. Okay, let's have Eddie. <laughs> Eddie, nice to meet you. And you. Oh, it's a, a, what an honour. What an honour. I'm, I'm 35, Eddie, slightly, <laughs> slightly younger than you. And uh, so that means I was a child of the 80s. Oh, wow. Which, of course, means only one thing, that I was in the playground uh, pretending to be you. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> How was it to find out they were making a film of your life? Oh, it was uh, very, very strange because uh, they made Cool Runnings a long time ago, mid-90s, yeah. uh, about the, the Jamaican bobsled team. And I didn't think they would make another movie about the same Olympics. Uh, so I kind of didn't really think about it very much. And then all of a sudden got a phone call from Los Angeles from a producer saying, oh, I'd love to make a movie about your life. And I went, oh. Sure. And that was 17 years ago. And uh, yeah, and then and things kept stalling. They couldn't raise the finance. Then they lost the director. Then they got a new producer. Then they lost more finance. Then they got some more. And just things kept stalling. Um, And then all of a sudden, about 18 months ago, I got a phone call from Matthew Vaughan. And he said, oh, I've just bought the rights to your life for the movie. And we start filming in two months time. And I went, oh, my God, my jaw jaw hit the floor. And I thought they're finally going to make it. And, um, you know, and now 18 months later, here we are with the European premiere just about to happen and uh, I I couldn't be happier and they've done such an amazing job with the movie. Yeah, are you happy with it? Oh, I I was totally blown away when I saw it for the very first time. Um, they've just done it just right. You know, they didn't make me out to be some sort of superhero, but at the same time, I wasn't portrayed as an object of ridicule, as clown, a yeah. flop or a clown. Um, and... Um, yeah, they've done an absolutely amazing job. And uh, I saw the trailer when I was in St. Anton just before Christmas. Yeah. And uh, that brought tears to my eyes. And when I saw the film for the first time, oh, I just cried and cried. And all my family cried. And they said, <laughs> oh, this is wonderful. This is just you. It's They got you down to a T. And it's uh, it's wow. great. And I've seen it three times so far. And I've cried every time. Oh, wow. I can't wait. You compared it to Kurt. Well, you mentioned Cool Runnings. And I, I presume, you know, it's it's a similar... Uh, thing that's very emotional by the end very, of that. Very similar because we we were in the same boat. We were two peas in the same pod. Really, you know, we yeah. we both came from a country that you know you would not expect you know them to do that kind of sport. We both we both had no money uh, and you know it was very very difficult. And for us, it was our dream to get to those Olympic games. So it was kind of a, 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 a an exact parallel story. They really could have called it Cool Runnings too, couldn't they? They could have done. Could have done. <laughs> yeah. And Wolverine as the trainer as well. I, that's Oh, I know. None of my trainers were ever as good looking as Hugh Jack. <laughs> <laughs> and although he was, uh, um, you know, kind of a, um, uh, a mythical character, he was he was like an amalgamation of all my trainers right. um, because I couldn't afford to have a regular ski jumping coach. I didn't have the money. Right. Um, so I just... Uh, joined whatever team was around and, and so my coaches there were about 20 or 30 of them and they ranged from 12 years old to 86 years old there were lots of different nationalities and personalities and you know some of them, some of them did have their issues they used to drink a lot or smoke a lot or yes. you know everybody has their issues and yes. so you know um, I think uh, Ronson Perry the um, you know his his character is kind of an amalgamation of, of probably at least half my coaches that I had over those 20 months in wow. ski jumping Oh, wow. Why do you think, let's talk about being British for a moment. Skiing is something that I love, but I I think it's something, uh, we we tend to go on, say, a three-day holiday and hate it because because Ah. the first three days of skiing are always horrific. And and everybody says, it's not for me. (laughs) And I'm always going... It is on it. Trust me. Just do yeah. another three days, and you'll you'll go through this barrier, and suddenly it'll be great. That's right, and it, it's because you do go through a couple of days where you think, "Oh, I don't like this. I'm getting cold. I'm getting yeah, wet. I can't over. do it." And then all of a sudden, it just clicks. And well, then they, oh wow, this is fantastic! I want to go on another skiing holiday. And they just then they're they're hooked. Well, listen, we've got a minute left. I'm going to do some uh, quick fire questions. Are you ready? Fire. We're all about TV series on the box set. So, will there be another series of The Jump? It looked very difficult this year, especially for Divina, bless her. (laughs) I know. And we've had so many accidents this year. I I would like to think, yes, they will have another series because it is a good show. Yeah. You have recorded two songs in Finnish. What do you think of Scandi Noir as a box set genre? Did you watch Lily Hammer? (laughs) 
I did watch a bit of Lilyhammer. Yes, I did watch not all of them, but I did watch some of them. It's good, worth sticking with. The second series yes. and third would get better. And what's your favourite TV box set or film box set that you're watching at the moment, Eddie? I'm not watching it at the moment, but what I really, really want to see is that. Um, uh, is it bad? Oh, Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. Breaking oh, yes, you've got really, to. And I want to watch the whole thing right from the beginning and watch the whole lot because I've just heard so many great things about that series. So I really want to get uh, the box set and watch those. Listen, I wish we had longer. It's out on Monday the 28th. I cannot wait. I live next door to a cinema. I'll be queuing up, Eddie. It's such oh, a pleasure to thank talk you. to you. Oh, how? Tell Matt to cheer up and get some taste. I will, Eddie. Thanks very much. Thanks for talking to us. Good luck all, Eddie. Thanks very much. No worries. Bye. 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 Bye-bye. What a nice guy. Matt? Sorry, what? What? Are you serious? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I thought you genuinely wandered off then. No, 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 no. That was that was very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Very. Interesting. You know, I never, I never knew that Cool Runnings was a true story. What? what? Didn't know that. Oh my god. I just, I, I assumed it was just fun. Wow. It's all right. I've never watched it. Oh. oh. What a film. <laughs> It's brilliant. Do you know what it's about, Jack? Uh, bobsleighing. Yeah, the Jamaican bobsleigh team in the same Olympics, the Winter Olympics. So they wanted to be a bobsleigh team in the Winter when was the, This was Calgary 88, was it? Uh, possibly, yeah. I can't remember. And, uh, you know, obviously Jamaica doesn't get much snow, so everyone sort of laughed them off in the same way that everyone laughed um, Eddie the Eagle off because he was British and Brit- Britain don't do skiers very, very well. Um, Do you know that they made a rule after that Olympics, which I think they actually called the Eddie the Eagle rule, which prevented um, people who hadn't com- uh, competed um, in in the top something, top so many athletes in their field, mm. uh, they couldn't go. They couldn't get into the Olympics unless they had previous experience. Oh, what absolute! Basically, oh, isn't that terrible? It was yeah. I'm pretty sure it was called the Eddie the Eagle rule. <laughs> that's horrific horrific well is it though especially ski jumping didn't he break his legs what's no no he didn't break his legs did he i thought he was i thought he couldn't walk now of course he can that's a joke (laughs) (laughs) Uh, he doesn't know what he's talking about in terms of box sets though does he i think who was it said this was it someone famous or was it me I can't remember, but I think at every Olympic sport, they should have an extra lane um, next to the action that's going on where they should put a normal human being trying to do that sport so that you can see by comparison how much better everyone else is. Imagine Jack doing the 100-metre dash next to Usain Bolt. Well, have you know I did that in high school. Did you? There you go. You've picked the wrong candidate there. Oh, yeah. How fast there were you? you how fast were you, Jack? Uh... I can't, about 11 seconds, 10 seconds. 11 seconds? Get out of town. (laughs) 11 seconds? I might have made that up. What's your same bolt? It's a need like nine. Nine something, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jack was 0.2 of a second slower. Ten, 10% slower than Usain Bolt. <laughs> uh, do you want to hear Dexter Fletcher now or should we save him for the end? Do him now. Uh, do him now. Well, you're, right. the, you're the man. Oh, here I am. Here I am. Welcome to your day of, uh, of interviews. Going to be exciting. I'm your first. Welcome to the Box Set Podcast. You are, you've got all the energy. Yeah. <laughs> I am going to drain the shit out yeah, of you. Okay. Come on, hit me. Straight up. <laughs> I spoke to someone yesterday who'd been to the preview and yeah. just said that it was a phenomenal film and <laughs> I'm going to cry my eyes out. Well, yeah. Oh, well, that's you know that's a possibility. People do cry when they see it. I, I don't, but uh, I've seen it a lot. But no, I think on the first viewing, yeah, people get kind of choked up. They they really root for him. You know, it's great. How did you get to this? Was it Matthew Vaughan? Was it? Did he pick you out? When did you get involved with the project? Yeah, Matthew's an old friend. You know, he and I worked together twenty years ago on Lockstock. And, it's uh, 20 years since Lockstock. Nearly, very nearly. Oh yeah. my God, I thought it was 20 years since Press Gang. Might be nearly 30 years till pre- since Press Gang. Oh my God. I started doing Press Gang when I was 22. You were my childhood. You know, well, Bugsy Malone. It's a great film. 
I, d- I didn't realise until I read your bio, the Elephant yeah. Man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which, uh, the Long Good Friday, Elephant Man. Yeah, but which who in the Elephant Man? There's there's a guy um, called Bites in the film who owns the Elephant Man as yeah, such. Yeah, he sort yeah. of takes him around circuses and yeah. uh, treats him rather badly, beats him a lot. Yeah. I, I was the small he's got a kid. kid. Yeah, he's got a kid with him, and I have that kid who, you know, sort of... Uh, you know, help, actually helps the elephant man escape from his cruel captor. I did. I did. Uh, um, I was a theatre director before mm. I got into radio, and um, yeah. and did the elephant man. A uni I was obsessed uh, over it, loved it. it. So I watched you like uh, probably Must a million times seven, on that. Five, one, exactly. Think. Exactly. Oh uh, anyway, so it's a great story about the outsider. You know, it's uh, the outsider in all of us that how we all feel and feel. And is that at all similar to Eddie the Eagle Edwards? <laughs> I suppose there is an element yeah. of that about it. You know, I mean, he, you know. He certainly is put upon, and you know people don't always necessarily give him a chance. But he he doesn't give up on himself, whereas other people are trying to write him off very quickly. I think the adult world, or well, there's that sport world sometimes that's a bit patronising. That kind of goes, yeah. well, we haven't got a chance, but good old Eddie, off he goes. Yeah, um, yeah. But for the kids, for us in the playground, it, he wasn't. You know, you wanted to be Eddie the Eagle Edwards. You didn't get a sense of the irony. Mm-hmm. But is there something about the childlike approach of? Eddie that makes it such a, a great story to tell. Yes, I mean, yeah, is the short answer. It's what I was saying before. He just didn't seem to, you know, take any notice of the naysayers and and the people, uh, you know, being mean to him. I think he didn't. He felt uh, that that there was uh, he was treated with this kind of iconic arched raised English eyebrow of, yes, yes, here's the, our comedy ski jumper, and I think that anyone who endeavours to become an Olympian, which is what he did, any Olympian, win, lose or draw, has to put in the same amount of effort as the as the winner. And they might lose by a, a huge margin or a fraction of a, se- a tenth of a second, but the, the dedication and what they put into it is equal. But Eddie's the same. He's competitive. He wants to win. He is a winner. You know, in his mind, you've got to have that mentality. You, When you see someone, you know, you go to the top of those ski jumps, which are 90 metres high, which is the oh, best man. part, 300 feet, and then someone clips in two skis to two runners that once they they push off from the bench, that's it. You're committed and you're committed at sort of 70 miles an hour <laughs> and, and you're going to shoot down that run and fly into thin air and and stay upright as you as long as you possibly can and then land <laughs> you go i have got a whole newfound respect for this bloke yes yeah, it's, it's, it's a, of all the sports it's probably along with the skeleton it's one of the most <laughs> phenomenally bizarre like stupid concepts isn't it that yeah. you, you're going to fly through the air for about five seconds yeah. And, and and then someone's going to say mm, you didn't keep your thigh quite straight enough. Yeah, exactly. Oh, your landing was a bit wobbly. You know, <laughs> yeah. did you not notice that I actually managed to stand up? <laughs> yeah, I just fell off a mountain. Yeah, I just jumped <laughs> off the side of a mountain. It's amazing. Did you have a go? Did you uh, did you like do the baby slope or anything? Yeah, I did all the slopes. I eventually worked up to the ninety meter. <laughs> <laughs> not an idiot. Uh, I, like I did go on skiing the weekend on my own, which was stupid enough. Oh, did you? <laughs> caught in a snowdrift and couldn't get myself out. You did All the ski lifts were stopping. I was like, this is a disaster. <laughs> Why do I think of doing this? You went on your own on a ski Yeah, trip. idiot. Complete idiot. <laughs> yeah. And I was in the middle of directing a film as well. I could have frozen up on the mountain and they would never have found me. That would be it. That's an inspired decision. But when you're directing, you know, you need a bit of peace sometimes. Exactly. I was like, I just need a bit of me time. And then no, got too nothing much. like getting lost in an avalanche to give you a bit of perspective. I had to slide down the mountain on my ass. <laughs> well, I can't wait to watch it. And thank you for talking. I, I, I really, you sure. know, this is going to be huge and you're going to be on Star Wars or Bond soon, aren't you? Yeah, exactly, yeah, I'm just waiting for the call. You totally are, though, Dexter <laughs> You're going to do massive things. So, um, you've always done massive things and it's been a pleasure to talk to you. So like, thank you what? very much. Do me a favour, will you? What? You know, you know Matt? Yeah. Tell him he doesn't know what he's talking about. I know. Tell him oh. he, needs to, he needs to go. He needs to go and study film, yeah. study criticism and then... And what the art of the critique is, and then 
then we might listen to him and take him vaguely seriously. Or just try it himself. He hasn't got a clue how hard it is to do what yeah, you do. Tell him to pick up his phone and get three mates together and see if he can make a film. Anything. A three-minute short. Yeah. Impress us. Show us what it's all really about then, Matt. Don't let him get you down. When you're out there directing, stop thinking about Matt. Okay? No, he's bugging me. It's just it gets Man, to me. I'm on set to and they're setting up the camera. I'm like... But what would Matt do? I know. I know. What's Matt going to say? It's just, it's wrong. He's got to back off. I'm sorry it ended like this, but it's been nice chatting to you, Dexter. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty upset, I've got to tell you. But <sighs> thanks anyway. Set me up badly for the day. Cheers, I'm, Dexter. I'm going home. It's nonsense. See you, mate. See ya. It's hard not to feel flattered <laughs> <laughs> that you've had to go to that length. This is like this is like when when you tease a girl at, at primary school. That's what, what this is like. About? They're fans of the podcast. This is like I just I just don't know how to express my affection in an appropriate way. So I'm going to pull your pigtails. I have. That's what you're doing to me, Howard. That's not even edited. Those interviews, man. That's just how it happened. <laughs> <laughs> listen to the world. Look, you're still not paying attention. Jesus. Well, there we go. So, um, yeah, Dexter Fletcher, eh? What a nice guy. Nice Lovely guy. guy. That was a really nice interview. Thanks. Apparently, his film's really good. The one he did before this, I forgot what it's called now, but it's meant to be really good. Like, he's a really talented director. Yeah, uh, and, you know, Ben, who is um, the authority on all things British film and TV, he, he thinks Dexter will be doing big things. That's where I got that intel from. Thanks, Ben. Um <laughs> Well, not intel, just uh, opinion. And, uh, yeah, so so nice guy. But it's one of those things, like, when you're eight, you never thought that you'd be interviewing Dexter Fletcher or, or in Matt's case... Being or, indeed, anyone. ...by Dexter Fletcher. Yeah, yeah, or anybody. No, I did think that, obviously. Um, I met Dexter Fletcher once, actually. Oh, yeah. Very briefly. Yeah. yeah. How was he? Was he horrible? <laughs> uh, he, was, he was very busy. He was... Um... Yeah, he, I, it, it was like a, I, I came into a conversation and was just like, oh, hello, and then waited until he left. Quite a weird-looking <laughs> weird chap, isn't he? You know, like, uh, yeah, he is, and he was, he was dressed like a boxcar hobo. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Well, Dexter was doing really well on this podcast until Matt and Jamie set upon him. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Dexter Fletcher. I really like him. <laughs> <laughs> he used to love Press Kang. Who, who was oh, his? Oh, um, he was, he was so cool. Was it Julia Sawalha? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. He was so cool, his character, and I wanted to be him. Yeah, yeah it was I, brilliant. He had a long coat, didn't he? Yeah, I remember virtually nothing about it. I just remember I watched a bit on YouTube last week to remind myself. But yeah, now I'm thinking about it. I reckon that might be the start of my love affair with the long coat. <laughs> I, Did he have throughout throughout my childhood, I always wanted to own a, a trench coat. I bet and, Jack uh, has long coats. Uh, I've got a few. Yeah, I knew it. Cool. Uh, Jack <laughs> is the Dexter Fletcher. You know, Jack's Dexter's age when he's. I've never heard of him. I don't know what he looks like. He sounds like Jonathan Ross, though. I thought. Yeah. Have you seen Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, Jack? Yeah. He must have done. Yeah, well, he's he's in that. He's one of the four main friends in it. He's you know the yeah. four friends in it. He's one of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Google, well, Google him, Jack. You'll figure just, it. Yeah, I will do. While we're talking about, let's move on now. We, Peaky. By the way, the sensible thing to do off the back of Eddie the Eagle would be to say, let's talk about sport box sets. But being as we've done Friday Night Lights recently, and that's about it, let's move on to Peaky Fricking Blinders. Peaky Fucking Blinders. So, <laughs> <laughs> what, what accent was that? I don't know. That was <laughs> that was about as good as some of the brummy accents that were in Peaky Blinders. It's, it was trying to be a, a, a Birmingham accent, but then it got lost. Can it I, got horribly lost. Um, I'm, it's not like me not to drop an argument, but this is set 49 years after Deadwood. And one of the first things that I noticed in it is that there's hardly any swearing. And, yes, the, and yet very threatening characters in fact this whole world reminded me a lot of the deadwood setup it's it's pretty much you know the beginning of it is like a western in the street there with the horse and cars and stuff and yeah yeah, and a bit of a sort of high noon showdown sort of atmosphere and then you have the bar thing and you have the good guy slash bad guy mostly bad guy um and isn't it great that they could use language without having to resort to just so many swear words. Wasn't that nice? Oh, dear. 
The also, use of swears was not meant to be about being threatening. It was about showing how um, gutter, guttery people were. It was about being dirty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, anyway, same, but, I, but I, same but, can be said about but this. saying that. Your, your I think you're right. Was very saying good. That, I think you're right. When I listened back to that podcast, I, th- I thought your argument was very good, Matt. But but so many things I've watched since, ranging from Shakespeare to Lord of the Rings, <laughs> I've gone. Well, you could make the same argument in this, and they don't need to. Um, and and I've come to the conclusion that your argument, whilst good, is is just wrong. <laughs> um, okay. So let's find out what people thought, shall we? Um, Jamie has done episode one, so has Matt, so have I. Um, Jamie. Oh, Jamie, why don't you set up what it is for people who uh, don't know what people's line is? Well, it's set in the Midlands, sort of Birmingham way, based on the true period of time and a certain family that are a kind of mini mafia gang that control an, an area or a region of Birmingham and they do so, do so through fear and violence and uh, that's and yeah that's, that's the call peaky blinders because they 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 were flat caps with blade with razor blades on the insides that they used to slash people um, if they get on the wrong side of them that's the setup. Yes, indeed. And we've got who've we got starring in this? Well, we've got Killian Murphy, who is yeah. from Batman. That's Batman. correct, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, he's in Batman and Sunshine. Uh, I'm trying to struggle to think of something else that he's in, but he's definitely in those. We've also got Sam Neill from Jurassic. Oh, and Inception Park. as well. He's oh, Inception. Inception. As well, yeah. Sam Neill from Jurassic Park, who does a phenomenal his, his the speech he does to the police captains in that episode. I think it's really, really good. and a, It's poetic. I've yeah. got it written down here, yeah. And really good example of a threatening character, and it is very poetic. Matt's made... <laughs> Jack's made notes. <laughs> you, wrote, you wrote that down, did you? <laughs> Defend himself. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, do you know what? I, I think the Brummy accents are up and down. How do we think feel about that? James I'd say got, that was true. Jamie's got a girlfriend... Uh, sorry, a wife who is um, from the Midlands... Did she watch it with you? Yeah, she did. She, uh, yeah, she like she wants to watch more of it. I mean, I think that um, the accents fairly, you know, they're, they're all right. They do the job. Um, I don't think that they were offensively bad, which is the no. important thing. No, you could tell that some people weren't quite getting there. Yeah, but I imagine to the ears of someone like Matt, they wouldn't notice the. Like, I didn't notice. No, no. Of course not. I, I um, can tell some people went went brummy, but um, I, I'm not. It's not an accent. I've got a very good ear for. No, um, and I also imagine that Matt believes that that's what the north of England looks like to this day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, they must have. I, I assume they just shot it in Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I didn't realise. You know, this is 1919. This is just as World War One ends, and you're sort of witnessing the birth of the Labour movement and of. Um, you know, essentially what happened in Britain was we had a big world war. Everyone came back and went, we're not going to have the same old way of um, us being treated like shit and the aristocracy getting all the money. We want to demand rights. And it, it changed politics forever that time. And this is bang on that moment where people are starting to protest and uh, and this gang is sort of part and parcel of that. Um, and what was my point? Uh, oh, and uh, yeah, my point was... Isn't it strange how less than a hundred years ago the roads looked so different? There wasn't any tarmac. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first thing that struck me. Was like, oh my god, it really does do- look like Deadwood, or it looks Dickensian. And of course, it is only just post Dickensian anyway, isn't it? But yeah, thirty years. You don't kind of think of the First World War as that for some reason. I don't know. I don't know why. I can't believe no, that's true. Your comments, though. I mean, yeah, seriously. Oh, I've got no tarmac. Doesn't it, doesn't it look old? <laughs> <laughs> Look at that! They had to put up with uh, with just shit. On He's riding a horse. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've got an issue with it: the uh, use of music. Right. Oh, that's one of the best. You, you've not been serious. Hell up, Jack! <laughs> Look, they pick excellent. It's got some of the best soundtrack. Oh, yeah. They had, God. Yeah, they did. They, yeah, 
yeah, it, they're great songs, right? If I want a CD of great indie songs with the national <laughs> on it or uh, the, the white stripes and people like that, then uh, I will buy one. But I've got an issue when period stuff uses modern, popular music. I feel like it's cheating a lot like Deadwood with its swearing. I feel like it's doing a cheat to make us enjoy it more. Did anyone else find the, the music to be noticeably in contrast with the time? Yes, but it didn't bother me. Yeah, I don't think it, I don't think it bothered me either. I mean, I see what you mean, but it's not something that jarred massively with my... It's wrong and it shouldn't happen. Do you not think it, it, it doesn't really heavily underscore the uh, no. the drama. It's like it's the theme song, and then there's a couple of bits where it's used in in the actual scenes, but it's not like it's uh, written in right into the, the heart of the show. Yeah, but it shouldn't be. Um, <laughs> oh, good. Oh, okay, good. Sorted then. It's wrong. wrong. <laughs> it's, it's a lazy, easy choice, and it close the book on that one. Yeah, it's a little like why I, uh, you know, Shrek is very good. Lots of good performances, but they use pop songs in it, and like um, even the Muppets, even the Blessed Muppets. Uh, Did you say Shrek? Yeah, yeah. Shrek uses like popular, you know pop songs inside the film and Disney don't do that they write songs for their musicals but you don't get modern pop songs in it the Muppets um, they Hmm. do sometimes do that they did like We Built This City on Rock and Roll in the first of the new Muppet films and stuff and it always makes me go oh do you know what It's, it's such a it's an easy play but when that's watched in 50 years when people watch Peaky Blinders in 50 years just like the swearing in Deadwood, tastes will change. The acceptable things will change. And one of the reasons. Well, you think it's a pop culture limitation? Yeah, I do. Um, I think in the same way that um, if you set the reason Dad's isn't on, the theme song not a contemporary track though. It's Nick Cave. It's, it's, Nick a, Cave. it's a Nick Cave song. But yeah. isn't it from about like I, I think I remember it featuring in one of the X Files episodes from like twenty years ago. It's not nineteen ten, is it? No, okay, it's not 1910, but that that also doesn't mean that it won't be popular in 50 years' time. But it's not... Why is it at all relevant to that world? What else is in there? I think it conjures something about it. It's quite sinister. Yeah, it's quite sinister track. I'm not saying the track isn't doing the same thing as the TV series, but I'm saying Wait, that, that is... Are you saying that every piece of drama should have to have an original score? Uh, yeah, I am. Okay, <laughs> right, fine. <laughs> I'm saying that um, if it was set in the modern day and they use modern day music, like, for example, The Affair has got that amazing Fiona Apple um, theme tune to it. Shrink back into the ocean. And, uh, oh, I see. So it's, an, it's a thing about an- anachronisms. Yeah, that is suitable to the time that it's in. Um, it's a very brave choice. Unless you're doing a Baz Luhrmann and you're bringing Romeo and Juliet up to date and then using Radiohead in it. It's a very brave and quite unusual, not brave, I think easy choice to to mix um, eras between your music and your drama. And it's not done very often. So you must have hated Great Gatsby then, with Jay-Z. Well, he did the soundtrack. again, it's a Baz Luhrmann thing. He creates... He purposely creates a world that is really theatrical and camp, and he can sort of get away with that stuff. But yeah, it does bother me a little bit that, like it, it bothers me a bit. But at least that music was written specifically for Great Gatsby. So the modern artists wrote stuff that was in a 1930s style, right? There is nothing about the music in Peaky Blinders, which is of a 19. T- uh, 1919 style, and so so I, I, it's I, the reason I bring it up. It's just personal taste. I don't like it, but also directorially, you know, at the old director's handbook, it, it it would be frowned upon by other directors. They they would go, that's a that's an easy choice. It's a it's an easy route to creating. But if, if it's a, you just said that it was something that's not done very often, so yeah, it doesn't sound like that, it is an easy choice. I, it sounds like it would have been quite a brave thing to do because they would have known it would have been criticised heavily for being not of the period. So it well. was a, probably an artistic decision, wasn't it? They no, actually that's decided. The same, that's the same as saying most wives aren't prostitutes, and then your wife goes and hauls herself out, and that's a brave decision. You could <laughs> say it's a brave decision, but actually, you're just being. 
a whore. Honestly, what, where, where do these metaphors come from? I don't Honestly, know, because it's a whore. The only, completely <laughs> the only reason it's a Well, problem. that's just saying that any choice that isn't the norm is, might, no. might be brave. <laughs> no, not the norm. It's the easy choice. Like, it's an easy choice. It's not a brave choice. To be a prostitute is the easy choice. Well, I would find it quite easy. <laughs> um, what a strange thing to say. Directorially, it's an easy choice, and there's a reason none of your Disney films have got actual top ten hits inside them, right? Because they can make a tremendous amount of money off selling the soundtrack that they have written as an original <laughs> score. Well, what they'll often do on a lot of films, Batman and everyone included, is that they will put a modern pop song on the end credits. And that's slightly different when it's a film. But, the, yeah, it's, it, it's an easy choice. It's not a brave one. The only reason it could be brave is because you're doing something that generally is easy and so people will go oh well, that must have taken you ages to find that nick cave song that's a bit spooky well done spooky is it yeah. Yeah, that's that um wow yeah yeah i just hope that that really bothers you from now on when you watch it other than that it's one of the best first episodes to uh, a box set that i think we've watched yes i think that's true yeah it's great, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I wanted to not, I wanted to not like it because I wanted to rub Jack up the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, uh, me but, too. In fact, uh, I almost sent a message to you, but uh, to everyone saying, let's, regardless too. of what we think, me slag too. it yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Because damn it, we should have done that. Oh, I, I, I know people listening to this podcast will say, why did Howard go on so long about the music? But actually, yes, the I think they will. Is, yeah, <laughs> but actually, the truth is, I know that we're going to not disagree on pretty much everything else, which is just, yeah, everyone liked it. <laughs> it's quite good. It really I don't think is. it's that. Right, Jack, how many episodes in a series are there, Jack? I think there's six. Yeah, it's got a British feel me. about it. Yeah, that's the problem for go. me. You More know, drama. it's yeah. a big, it's a big problem for me. Yeah. Uh, I don't like knowing that it's gonna. I mean, six episodes. Nothing. I know there's another, there's, there's another series as well. But what? Another six? That's it. That's like a full, full series. Yeah, I think I think that can go both ways because for for me, so, some things being so colossal and a lot of people, mm. it can be a big turn off to them. Yeah, ch- the idea yeah, that they're getting into something for years and years. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I I do feel like with a series six, I, I have the problem with Luther as well, which is sometimes quite good. That's only ever like four episodes. Yeah, I just think, and Sherlock as well. And Sherlock as well. Like, I want something that I can invest in and is going to go somewhere, at least in that series, ten episodes, it's going to have, at least then, a good chance to build to some moment, to some character development, and I just feel like I'm I disagree with you. I think the, sto- the, the story has to justify its time, because there are definitely series which are longer than that, which deflate and fall fall apart halfway through it and like 24 is a is a good example of that i think it, it towards the like the latter part of that series it's just it's bloated from the weight of its own um premise because the they're, they're rather in 24 i think there's uh 22 right right yeah um there's always a patch in the middle where it's like we're just waiting for the next thing to well. happen yeah, I think I think twenty four is excessive. In but with America, you get either like sort of ten to thirteen or twenty two, don't you? Yeah, and I I agree with you. Ten to thirteen can be a can be a good size arc for a story, but it feels like this one. Like I, I was wondering to myself because I've watched three episodes now, and I was thinking, how is this going to get spun out for ten episodes? And then I thought, oh, that's good. It's only six. Because you know it doesn't. Well, you get a production value on it that is amazing. That I haven't seen anything with this high production value yeah. from the UK. I don't yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. It's phenomenal. And and if you were to stretch that, you know, if you look at something like Chuck, you can see, or even Parks and Rec and stuff, you can really see the um, the, the the sets and everything has to be a certain way in order to afford that twenty two episode run. So that is one advantage of having the kind of BBC really focused old school approach to that costume drama sort of world it's basically if martin scorsese was from birmingham this is what he would have made is that one of your notes jack yeah Yeah. he's got some zingers how many zingers have you got written down (laughs) read them all out jack uh (laughs) go on no sprinkle them don't do them all in one go it'll water it down no we're, we're we're finished now so just list them all off 
Okay. Well, I can read out the quote from before. Great. Uh, no, okay. what? The whole script, the whole speech? No, it's just three lines long. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Shelby is a worm that feeds off the rotten parts of your mind. <laughs> oh, that's nice, Jack. Did you write that yourself? <laughs> he gets in through your ear with a whisper and crawls over your tongue when you lie to the judge or the pastor. Who, there you who, go. Who said that? Uh, the inspector, Detective Campbell. That's a good setup. Yeah, yeah. Well, very nice. How oh. good is Killian Murphy in this as well? Yeah. He's scary. Yeah, he's very really good. good. He's yeah. just a very scary. Um, beard, yeah, his his face has got a weird. It's got a weird texture to it, hasn't it? It just he looks so bland and like almost fish-like, but um, yeah. it, it gives him a menacing, otherworldly quality. That I really like about Killian Murphy, a fish-like bland. <laughs> do you know what's inter- interesting to me is he, he he looks like? Do you remember there's a guy in um, uh, Usual Suspects and The Mask? Uh, he he plays uh, a character called Redfoot, I think, in The Usual Suspects. Yeah, oh, I know. Throws a, throws a cigarette uh, in um, Stephen Baldwin's face. Yeah, and Killian yeah. Murphy looks like a slightly deflated version of him. That's a really good Do you think, uh, um, call, You know, everyone's calling, <laughs> what's his name for Bond? Who? Hardy. Hardy. No, not Hardy. He won't get it. To the one. Hiddleston. Hiddleston. Maybe Killian Murphy's like the wild card that you don't expect. No, Murphy couldn't be Bond. He's not got the right build for him at all. He's too gangly. Yeah. Hey. I th- I, same, same way I feel about Hiddleston. Maybe, but Daniel Craig was a skinny whip at once. Our friends in the north. Yeah, but not when he played Bond. No, so they can go to the gym. He was a fucking tank. Yeah, just <laughs> steroids will do for you. I'm not no, but him doing steroids. That's uh... he's just he, he's not very long limbed, Daniel Craig. Mm, mm, mm. Whereas Murphy's just all bones and knees and elbows. Yeah, true. Perfect for a character like this who's just a fucking psychopath. Yeah. So, Jack, do you generally feel that this has been a bit of a letdown because there wasn't enough disagreement? Uh, I was expecting a bit of bias because of the slagging off that I gave Kimmy. Well, I think we've decided that based on the music... it's bloody amazing. ...the six episodes, and that that's all it is, and the bad brummy accents that we won't be carrying on with Peaky Blinders. <laughs> um, three reasons enough. Have you carried on with Kimmy Schmidt? Yeah, I've watched all of it now. Oh, wow. And? Uh, and? Did you like Well, it's... it's <laughs> It's better than I expected it to be, and it started to grow on me from about series uh, episode four onwards. Good, good. And then it started to slope off towards the end. <laughs> because I've had enough of it. I binge-watched it too much in about two days. Well, this is the other thing I was going to say to Matt about the, the whole 22-episode thing, and I was saying it to someone yesterday who was discussing Chuck, and they were like, oh, it's just like, oh, there's so much of it. I was like, yeah, but that's your fault, you know? It's like a... F- those big American TV series are like a friend that you can go and talk to whenever you want, who's nice, you know. It, whereas Peaky Blinders is more of a kind of a trip to the cinema, isn't it? It's more of a kind of, it's a real meaty beast. Um, and they, yeah, that's it. That's the end of the metaphor. Mm. Um, so don't throw away your friends, Matt, even if they go on a bit too long. And uh, don't throw away your friends. Yeah. Oh, I see your friends. Yes, you're using a metaphor. Metaphor, splendid. Um, Do one about a bucket of sand again. Oh, that was a brilliant one. When I listened back to that. Oh. What was that? That one. That one was. He said that the West Wing was like a bucket of sand with a diamond in it. No way. And that Marshall wouldn't reach into the bucket to find the diamond. You're gonna. You're poking me now. I said that the four episode rule. No, I said that when everybody says stick with it, it's like somebody saying there's a diamond at the bucket bottom of this bucket of sand, and you can't see it because it's sand, and people are just poking their fingers in and going, "No, I don't want it." And you go, no, just trust me. If you put your hand in far enough, there's a diamond there. You will have the diamond forever. It'll change your life. Yeah, but I just don't like the music. (laughs) (laughs) But you're assuming that everyone feels exactly the same as you about everything. 
I don't assume that. I'm, You've got an inability to feel empathy with other people, which is a common true. trait of sociopaths. <laughs> I've got an unbelievable sense of empathy. I don't recommend... This is why I only recommend, like, three or four basic things. Mad Men, Chuck, West Wing. You know, I don't recommend everything, but I know that those three things are great for everybody if they stick with it. Because I've not been proved wrong yet. I can't do Chuck. I can't do it. Well, I, I'm well, just... I gave up on Mad Men. Yeah, you both so. idiots. Because the, the diamond is in the bucket. And it's up to you. If you <laughs> it's up to you if you dip in. It's not my responsibility. You know what? I, but I went into the bucket. I found the diamond. And I was like, it's not a very nice diamond. No, you didn't. <laughs> it's not worth much. I, I had a look at it. It's fractured. There's lots of uh, yeah. imperfections in there. Absolute, it's got bad coloration. Absolute nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Um Actually, you know what, Jamie? We did last year when we had Fife on this podcast a lot. Fife Dangerfield did watch the whole of the first season of Mad Men, didn't he? And he he yeah. didn't... He didn't he, like it. Yeah, he's the one time that the experiment has failed. But but I think Mad Men is particularly difficult, though. I watched the whole first season of Chuck. You did, did you? Yeah. Oh, right. It gets good after season one. <laughs> it's always further down the road isn't it when you've always... watched the last episode we can say whether the experiment was was uh, positive or negative <laughs> so it's up to you if you carry on that's all I'll say uh, right thank you what are we doing next week what are we going to do there's been lots of suggestions of what we... oh Pam emailed Jamie Pam oh, what did she say Pam emailed um Matt's got the email as well because she mentioned Matt, so I did forward it to him. Oh, yeah. Uh, let me find it. Here we go. Pam, pam, pam. Thanks for emailing studio at the box at com. Hi, guys. Really chuffed that you finally got around to talking Deadwood. Jamie, you were the Deadwood King, making most of the contributors to the box set pod rethink their initial feelings about yeah. the series. I, too, thought it was an amazing series. Uh, Marsha also raised some excellent points about the box set. I totally agree with her about Carnival. This was a fabulous box set, too, so we're going to have to get on to Carnival. Um, and my hubby has the Ken Burns, The West, and the American Civil War documentary box sets, and I thought they were beautifully shot and put together. My only criticism of them is the Amer Native American singing and music they used throughout the programmes. Should have used Nick Cave. Lulled me to sleep every time we watched an episode, to the point that I was banned from watching. Anyway, loving the podcast as usual, and Matt's comments made me want to jump off a building. <laughs> <laughs> kind regards Pam Hannigan P.S. still not watched the West Wing uh, no she said Matt's comments made me look up the Marshall character from Deadwood I loved the series but he was correct in his assertions about his acting which was that he also always looks like he's got something in his rectum a walnut a walnut and on that, the bar strip light fizzles out on another box set pod. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so what are we doing next week? What the hell are we doing? We did talk about Better Call Saul because I haven't watched it. Fantastic. Oh my gosh, let's do it! Right. Let's, oh, let's do okay, it. Okay, Matthew. Episode one by next week. Do you think you can do it? Oh, definitely. Don't be planning a trip to the cinema, uh, theatre, to watch your stupid play. Well, yeah, maybe we shouldn't do one with me. Because I might have to go to the show next week. Re on, on on this night? Possibly. Oh, God, gosh. Let me get back to you in the week, because I'd like to do Medical Soul. Get back to us in the week. Jack, well done on recommending Peaky Blinders. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's a, it's a real winner. I'm going to watch the whole thing. Yeah, definitely. Recommend it to everybody. And look at that. You never get a unanimous opinion like that on the podcast. Thank you, everybody. Have a beautiful week. And if you want to email us, studio at theboxsetpod.com. Although, what's going on with Sam Neill's accent? What? <laughs> what the hell? He's brilliant. I'm from Belfast. I've got lots of <laughs> things in my eyes. Do Sam Neill talking to Moriarty. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> no, because you're still recording. Go on. <laughs> Get him to ask him what his favourite box set is. Oh, hello, Moriarty. I'd like to know what your uh, favourite box set of all time is. Oh, well, Mr. Samuel, well, I used to be quite partial to Chuck and then maybe a little bit of Daredevil, but now we're like Jessica Jones! <laughs> Please don't put that on then. That was on. Just oh, it's in. I was just thinking how we just didn't have a witty bit for the end and now we've got it. But my, it's not that good an impression and it certainly doesn't come across well on this mic. Thanks, Matt. You're breaking up now. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, I've got to go and get a jacket potato out of the oven. <laughs> Whatever that's a metaphor for, you go do oh. it. <laughs> Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. (laughs) (laughs) 